My name is Joey Ortiz. I'm the student ministry director here at Grace Bible Church, and I'm here to walk us through chapter 11 and 12 of Ecclesiastes. Now, if you've been with us for a minute or if you're new with us, let me get you caught up. Let me get a quick recap of what we've gone through so far. Us as people, we are broken and we are fallen, and unfortunately, we try to look for meaning and purpose in things of this world. And so as we've walked through the book of Ecclesiastes, we've seen if you're chasing after power, guess what? It's worthless. If you're chasing after pleasure, also worthless. Accomplishments, notoriety, anything in this world apart from the glory of God is vanity of vanities. Because like Solomon says, all is vanity. And so today as we look at chapters 11 and 12, today as we look at enjoying our lives I want to start by showing you a picture that's very personal. A picture that means a lot. Every time I practice this, I didn't cry. Man, this is brutal. Uh, so up here you have my grandpa and my son. My grandpa in this picture is about 91. My son is like two or three. And the reason that this picture is so important is because we were sitting at Danny's, and not long after this picture was taken, my son was given a playground in his backyard. Now, if you think about a two- or a three-year-old getting a playground, man, the joy, the excitement, the carefree life of climbing up, doing the monkey bars, going down the slide, he was excited. He was living and about that same time, on the opposite end of the spectrum of life, my grandpa became more dependent and more dependent on us as his body grew weaker and weaker. I think of a conversation that I had with him about two weeks before he passed away. He said, Joey, so hard. It's so hard. And I didn't get what he was trying to say. We had been talking about like Baylor football and the Cowboys and all the things that he loved. And I asked him, I'm like, Papa, what, what, what's so hard? And he goes, dying. I'm tired. I want to go home. Why won't Jesus just call me home? And this picture to me, it's a beautiful reminder of the journey that we're all on. Four generations in this picture. My mom and myself, obviously not in it, but that's my grandpa and that's my son. And as we look at our lives, as we are on the spectrum of life that you can see in this little picture right here, it makes me think of how my son would always sit there and say like, man, I can't wait to be older. Can't wait till I'm bigger and stronger so I can go all the way across those monkey bars. Can't wait till I'm older so I can buy whatever video games and stuff that I want to buy and go where I want to go. And we've all done that. When we were younger, we've all wanted to be older. And then I think of my grandpa in those last few weeks and months of his life. He was always reminiscing and looking back. And we've all done that too. 
We've all been sitting at stages in our life going, man, I wish I could go back to the time before I had a mortgage and before I had bills and before I had to worry about retirement and before I had to take care of my kids. And when you get to a certain age, take care of my parents. Before the kids were constantly eating you out of house and home and you had to go to the grocery store every 10 minutes to restock the pantry and the fridge. And on top of all of those stresses in life, some of you guys are Cowboys fans, so I have no idea how you make it. (laughs) The process of life plays out for all of us the same way. We're born, and we have that carefree life. As we grow older and older, the stresses of life start to weigh on us. And eventually we get to a point where all the freedom and the joy that we wish we had, we have, but we're just so tired to enjoy it. And as we look at the text that Solomon gives us today, as we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and 12, we are going to see this process of life play out, and we are going to see three big commands that the preacher Solomon gives us. And so as we walk through this text today, what I want to do is I want you guys to keep in mind these three commands. I'm going to give them to you right now, and we're going to keep coming back to them as we go. Rejoice, remove, and remember. Rejoice, remove, and remember. I'm going to go through all of the text, and like I said, we're going to backtrack through those three important commands. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. We're kicking off in verse 7. Verse 7 says this, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in all of them, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, because all that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all of these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. It makes me think of that conversation I had with my grandpa. And he was a believer. Where he was just tired and wanted to go home. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Following this next chunk of text is a very figurative description of growing old. So as we grow old, as those days approach us where we are just tired and weary, I want you to get this picture. So I'm going to read through and then explain what each one of these means. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, when your hands are shaking, and the strong men are bent, your legs are giving way. This one's my favorite. It makes me laugh. And the grinders cease because they are few because you lost all your teeth. And those who look through the window are dimmed. Your eyes are growing dim. And the doors to the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. When you keep your mouth closed because you got no teeth. And one rises up at the sound of a bird because you can't sleep. And all the daughters of the song are brought low because you cannot hear. 
They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way because you are scared of everything that is out there in the world. The almond tree blossoms. Your hair grows white if you're lucky enough to have any at that point. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because your body is giving out. Because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners are going out into the street. And then through figurative language, again, Solomon walks us through what death is. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. This is the word of the true and living God. Let me summarize what we just read to you. When you're young, enjoy your life, but guess what? You're going to die. And as you grow older, keep in mind the fact that you're going to die. And if you enjoyed life, remember, you're going to be judged when you die. They should make that into like a Hallmark card. And when we look at that at face value, man, it's brutal. It's tough. It's hard to hear, but it's true. One day we will die. And the call of what we are called to do to make this life more than vanity are those three R's. Rejoice, remove, and remember. And so as we backtrack through, what I want to do is focus on those three commands. We're going to open back up to Ecclesiastes 11, verses 7 through 9. And I'm just going to read through the commands that were given. Rejoice, O young man, in the days of your youth. If we stopped right there, you guys would be like, heck yeah, man, that's like the first time we've heard something in Ecclesiastes that sounds good. Rejoice, let's go, party on. Where's the carne? But here's the deal. We as people have an issue. You see, we do love to rejoice, but we rejoice wrongly. Our hearts always want to run to the things of this world. We try to rejoice in things of this world that are sinful. And if we are finding our pleasure and purpose in those things, guess what? We are living a life that is vanity, vanity, nothing but vanity. But if we rejoice rightly, well, that's a whole different story. And we're going to walk through that in just a second. But let's take a look at where our hearts are, because time and time again in Scripture, we see this play out. 1 John 2, 15, verse, uh, 2, verse 15 through 17 says this, do not love the world or the things in it. If anyone loves the world, the, Father, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of life and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of the Father abides forever. If we seek after him and we rejoice rightly, well, that gives us a whole new purpose. We're not rejoicing in sin, but we're rejoicing in him. Second Timothy says this, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Once again, we need to stop worshiping the created and worship the creator. We need to rejoice in him, not in sin. And if we can't do that, then we're in for a whole world of hurt 
and trouble. And the amazing thing is, it's like God knew what he was doing when Solomon was writing this. Because right after that, he gives us the next command, which is remove. Rejoice in me, is what he's saying. Rejoice in God, not in sin. But if you've been struggling in sin, then remove the vexation from your heart. This is Ecclesiastes 11, verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Youth is going to pass you by. But the things you struggle with in your youth will bring about vexation. Now, that's a crazy word that we don't use a lot today. I'll be honest with you. I had to look it up. Vexation is anything that brings anxiety or frustration to you. Before you look at your spouse, that's not what he's saying. This is coming from a place of struggling with sin. What Solomon is saying here, he says, take care of yourself emotionally, spiritually, physically. Because before you know it, life is going to pass you by. Isn't that true? Before you know it, you turn around and you're walking through that aging process that Solomon laid out. Your hands are trembling. Your legs are weak. Your hair is white. And you have no motivation or desire to even get out of bed. But if we take care of ourselves spiritually and emotionally, if we rejoice in him and not in sin, then we won't be struggling. I love what Charles Spurgeon said as he walked through this very same text. He said, youthful sins lay the foundation for aged sorrows. If our youth is filled with sin, we will continue to struggle with sin and it will bring us pain and hurt and suffering. But if we are able to remove that by relying on him, if we rejoice in him and not in sin, then we will have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Let's check out what Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 say. Don't be anxious about anything. Remember that word vexation, something that brings you anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God that only comes from God, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If we are relying on him and depending on him, the struggle of sin doesn't go away, but it gets a whole lot easier. Because it means that everything that's going on is not in vain, but for him and for his purpose and for his glory. And that peace can only come from God, and it can only guard our hearts and our minds because of Christ, because of what he has done for us and his sacrifice in our place. And we have to remember that, church. If we're going to be relying on him and depending on him, we have to remember that. Which brings us to our last command. Remember also your creator. This is chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. In the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. If we remember God, we will rely on him. We will be able to rejoice in him. Now, I think as mostly Mexicanos in here, Right? When we think of the word remember, that word remember doesn't really mean a lot to us. Right? Remember? You remember? Remember? I remember. 
But Solomon is writing this in Hebrew. And the word remember in Hebrew takes on a whole new meaning. The word is zahar, and it's crazy because there's no vowels in it, right, in, even in English. But the word zahar means to bring to mind, to speak of, and act on behalf of. So if we are called to remember God, we are called to bring God to mind, the things he's done, the things Christ has done for us and in our place. We are called to speak of it constantly, and we are called to act on behalf of that. And if we think about who Solomon's writing to here, right, he's writing to the Israelite people. He's writing to his people because he's the king. And as he's writing this, it brings to mind the call in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what the Israelites were called to do. Chapter 6, verse 6. And these words I command to you today. They shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorsteps or your doorposts and on the house of your house and on your gate. Now, we read that, and I know that I, I had, if you go back just a little bit to verses 8, uh, we're going to see where it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, without context, we blow right by that, and we have no idea what that means. The Israelite people would literally take a leather band, and they would write down or have everything that God had done for them on it. And they would wrap it around their arm, and they would wear it on a daily basis so that no matter where they went, no matter what they did, no matter who they were with, what did they have as a sign to remember them by? Everything that God had done for them. Wearing it as frontlets between your eyes. They had a box and they would write scripture in it. And they would put it in the box and they would tie it to their head. Gives a whole new meaning to the word memory verse, right? But what they would do is they had this as a way to remember God. Constantly. No matter where they were. No matter what they did. And if we're honest, how many of us? Remember God in that way. How many of us take the time to remember God in all the things that we do? On top of that, some of you guys may be sitting here and you're like, okay, well, I don't do that. And guess what, homie? I'm not young either. So how am I supposed to remember him in the days of my youth? But if we remember God, regardless of the situation, if we remember God and we repent and we rely on him, that struggle with sin takes on a whole different, it takes a whole different turn because now we have the promises of eternity and that sin and that struggle and the weight of life, it doesn't bear as heavy anymore because we have the promises of eternity that God has given to us through the cross. On top of all of that, it helps us rejoice in him and in life. There is never a time where it is too late to remember him. But guess what? If we look at this command, there's something that we blow right by every single time. You see, we always focus scripture about us. But if you are sitting here as a parent, if you are sitting here as a grandparent, if you are sitting here as someone about to have kids, you cannot miss this. You shall teach them diligently 
to your children. See, if this whole text is about remembering God, especially in the days of your youth, we have to have someone there to do it with. If we go back to those verses that we read early on, that verse that we read right out of 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. Along with people. And as parents, that's what we're called to do. We are called to be the shepherds of our home. And so as leaders in your home, you're not only called to do this for yourself, but to do this for your kids, to set a foundation of faith so that they can grow in it. Remember Proverbs 22. This is something we always say when we do baby dedications. Train up a child in the way that he shall go, and he will not depart from it when he gets older. It is our call as Christians and our call as families to bring our children up so that they can remember him too. Because if we remember rightly, we will have our wrong rejoicing redeemed. I've been hanging out with Pastor Eddie way too much, I'm sorry. But if we remember rightly, our wrong rejoicing will be redeemed and the struggle with sin will be removed. And there is no greater picture of this than what Christ did. Christ stepped out of heaven. He humbled himself to the point of a servant where he was obedient even to death on a cross. And while he did that, what was his constant call to remembrance? I am here to do my will, uh, not my will, but the will of the Father who sent me. He remembered God in all he did. To the point where he even rejoiced in one of the most brutal torturous sufferings, the cross, as he was beaten and mocked and shamed going towards it. But he did it remembering the fact that through his sacrifice, the weight of sin would be removed. The condemnation that comes with not knowing God, the pain and the suffering that comes with living in our sin would be removed if we come to God through him. And so that's our call, church. Remember him. When you sit down, when you stand up, when you eat, when you drink, anything that you do, our call as Christians is to remember him and remember him rightly. And that, that brings me to my point for you guys today. Remember God. Remove the frustration of sin. And rejoice in him. If we remember God, it makes it a whole lot easier to rejoice in him and rejoice in this life. No matter the season that hits you, because there will be times, guys, where it's hard. We've been living in a season, guys, you guys know, if you've heard me ever speak before, we have been living in a season where if not for this truth, we wouldn't be here today. And this truth right here, it's a cycle. Remembering God removes that frustration from sin. When we have that frustration removed, we're able to rejoice in life, and that brings about more remembrance. God has been so good, so, so good. And guess what? Whenever those trials and seasons and sin come back upon us, we remember him to rejoice again. Because in, by rejoicing in him, that's the only way that we can truly live 
a life that is not vanity, vanity, all vanity. It makes our life meaningful because we have the promises of eternity resting in our hearts. And the amazing thing is, is that when we get to the end of our lives, when we get to that point where we want nothing to do with where we're at, if we remember him, we will have a peace that surpasses all understanding. We will have a peace that can only be found in him. A peace that comes from God through Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you once again to thank you. To thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, to thank you for how good you have been to us. Father, to thank you for your faithfulness no matter what we do, Lord, because what you have done has satisfied all of the punishment that is due unto us. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord, who lived that life. And we pray that you help us to remember him in all that we do. Lord, we thank you for every blessing that you have poured out. And my prayer, Father, is that we can live in constant remembrance of who you are and what you've done. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everything. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love you, church.